Hello, and welcome to Talking Sports with TK. I am Tommy Chrysan. Glad to be here. Glad to have you there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please share with all of your friends. This episode, Sports Takes with Trey Blossman, brought to you by the website MeatAndPotatoesUSA.com. If you'd like to bet on college football, the national championship game Monday, or the NFL, please visit the website MeatAndPotatoesUSA.com. Trey Blossman and I will talk a lot about college football, a lot about the NFL, a lot about the situation with DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills that occurred Monday night. Some strong takes, some hot takes. We got some facts and some statistics about cardiac arrest for you. You don't want to miss it near the end of this podcast. Please share this with all of your friends. It's Sports Takes with Trey Blossman and myself. And again, if you want to bet on football, if you're making money betting, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not making a lot of money or you're losing money, visit the website meatandpotatoesusa.com, college football national championship game Monday night, NFL week 18 coming up. We got consultants that sell you picks. If it's not a winner, you get your money back. Meatandpotatoesusa.com. Let's listen to a message from our podcast host, Anchor, then we'll be back. We'll be joined by Trey Blossman. It's time for Sports Takes. Right here on Talking Sports with TK, I'm Tommy Chrysan. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue with Talking Sports with TK. I'm Tommy Chrysan, about to be joined by Trey Blossman for this episode of Sports Takes. Lots of hot takes on lots of topics for, to cover here this afternoon. Happy New Year again to everybody. Trey Blossman, how are you doing? Tommy, I, I'm doing great. We finally got rid of the cold and the wet weather. We had a beautiful day in South Louisiana. People are back to work, uh, and that's all good. What a Great weekend of football, one of the best ever, and I know that we're going to talk about that, but uh, happy to be here, happy to be heading towards another weekend. I, I don't know what day of the week it is anymore, and that's a good thing, but yeah, weekend's coming up, I know that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat, it always happens to me during the holiday season. Well, let's back it up. Normally, the CFP playoff semifinal games have been routes been boring games a uh, winner decided by ha- halftime or shortly thereafter but last saturday wow unbelievable contest between michigan and tcu followed by ohio state and georgia you talk about you have to watch till the final buzzer what an entertaining brand of college football and the question is what happened to the defenses the offenses that's what happened those teams were on fire. I'm sure – let's go to the Ohio State-Georgia game. I'm sure that Ohio State's co- coaching staff took a long, hard look at LSU's passing game, lighting up Georgia in the SEC championship, and they thought, well, you know, if LSU can do it, we can do it, and they did. Right. Uh, Georgia's pass defense was just not there at all. Ohio State played a good game. I'll give them that. Georgia was a little sloppy. I I think Stetson Bennett has played out of his head for two years. And I think occasionally 
we see Stetson Bennett and we're reminded that he was not a four-star or a five-star recruit. He's a very serviceable and sometimes very good college quarterback, but he doesn't have the Bryce Young pedigree. He, he, you know, he just doesn't come with that. And uh, Ohio State has a quarterback that does. And I think that's the big reason they were in the game. They had a lot of offensive talent, and Georgia is susceptible to the passing game. And I'm sure TCU is working on that as we speak. Yeah, you know, a lot of talent on the field on both sidelines, Ohio State and Georgia, and, of course, TCU and Michigan. And, you know, TCU, a couple of pick sixes. That's Usually if you get two picks sixes in one game, I don't care if it's Little League football or the NFL, you're going to win that football game. And that's what TCU got. And then, of course, you know, their, their offense is relentless. And I think Michigan was a little surprised about the team speed of TCU. And that caught up to them a little bit. And Michigan, once again, sixth straight year, they lose in the postseason, in the playoff or in a bowl game. And, uh, you know, TCU picked seventh in their conference preseason poll. They will pick seventh. And they find a way to play for a national championship out in Los Angeles next Monday night. Well, I'll tell you why they do that, and I touched on this on our Pick'em segment last Thursday or Friday, whenever we did it, is is Max Dugan. Yeah, That dude's a baller, Tommy. He, he's a gamer, and he understands one thing, and you know that I'm a huge advocate of this, and I know that you are too. He knows how to move the chains, and he knows how important it is to move those chains. A lot of quarterbacks and a lot of teams lose track of that. How many times in bowl games, playoff games, and NFL games over the course of the last two weeks of all this football marathon have you seen teams on third and one or third and two throw an incomplete pass 40 yards down the field and then have to bring in the punting team? That's just stupid. Sean Payton used to like to do that. For the life of me, I'll never understand that. On third and two, make two yards and move those chains Go long on first and 10. You're not fooling anybody. You right. know, I, 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 it just baffles me that so-called intelligent coaches uh, allow their team to do that. You, you got to move the chains. Max Dugan knows how. Uh, I talked last week about how much he just has moxie. He's got it in spades. I've been thinking TCU was overrated all season. And I finally picked him last week because I was tired of picking against them or not picking their games at all and watching them win every week. That's a good football team, Tommy. It's a whole lot better football team than even I gave them credit for. Well, they're 13 and a half point underdogs next Monday night against Georgia. We'll have picks Friday for folks uh, on that game as well as week 18 in the NFL. But here's the story. Georgia was expected to be there. They're number one in the seeding. They were number one all year long. A lot of people said nobody's going to beat them. They're there. TCU, as I said, picked seventh in their conference, you know, came into the playoffs, you know, is the three seed, uh, even though they lost the conference championship game, and they're going to be playing for a national championship. I'm going to make my pick later in the week, but like my good friend Dave Scandaliato used to say, I love the thought that I got 13 and a half points on my side before they kick off. I'm not saying that's going to be my pick. It might or it might not be, but – Man, it's hard to think that a team like TCU with Dugan and the explosive players they have could be that big of an underdog, but we shall see. You know, Tommy, you mentioned two pick sixes and you should win. That's certainly the case. 
Iowa got two pick sixes against Kentucky and they shut them out. What was it? 20 or 23? 21 to nothing. Yeah. 21 to nothing. Yeah, you should win. All right. uh, Moving on, college football. Uh, For those that don't know, Trey Blossom is about 40 minutes north of New Orleans on the North Shore community in St. Tammany Parish. I'm in Baton Rouge. So we have to say uh, what a day for LSU and Tulane. Two different type games. LSU was dominant from the get-go and just crushed Purdue. It was never a football game. And then Tulane with a remarkable comeback, unbelievable comeback, to beat USC, the biggest win in football program history at Tulane University by far. And uh, just two wins for some Louisiana teams, and people were using the TV remotes and flipping channels, as I was doing, to see both games. But uh, here was my first thought, my thoughts first on LSU. Drew Brees was on the sidelines for Purdue, and my first thought, uh, one of my thoughts was maybe instead of helping coach their quarterbacks or their offense, he should buy them a weight room because other than two or three guys that were a little bit ripped, the rest of them Purdue players, they look nothing like LSU football players. These guys are, you know, they look like junior high kids out there. So Drew Brees, buy the Boilermakers a weight room so they can compete against real teams. And then again, LSU, it was just domination from the get-go. Tons of different people played for LSU. They win going away. It was never a contest shortly after the coin flip. And then my thoughts on Tulane, you know, it's been documented. Two years ago, they won two football games. This past year, they won 12 games, including a New Year's Day Bowl and a Cotton Bowl victory over Southern Cal, who had the Heisman Trophy winner. Tulane, you're riding high. Now, here's the only thing I'll say. Let's see if you can keep it up. You hadn't done anything since 1998 when you went 12. A great year with Sean King, at quarterback. Don't make people wait so long like they did for this year to have another remarkable season. Give Willie Fritz the pay. Give him the resources he needs, the facilities, so he can keep bringing football players into the city of New Orleans and fill up Yeoman Stadium and make Tulane a, a, an annual conference champion and, and big-time bowl team. That's my thoughts on those two games. Well, the, the decision that started that season was the decision to keep Willie Fritz after that two-win season. I was glad they did. I thought he's great coach for Tulane. They looked like the most explosive team in the country on Monday. They had players on offense running around wild. With Sometimes they weren't even USC defenders in the picture on TV. Uh, USC's defense is absolutely horrible, and they got a lot of work to do there. But credit Tulane for hanging in the game, even down – Looked like they were down dead in the fourth quarter. Were they down 15 points? Yeah, 15 points with three minutes to go. Yeah, you know, I mean, just phenomenal. I I thought when they had scored the first time and USC got the ball back and couldn't move it and they had to punt, I thought they should just let Tulane score and should try and come back and win the game on offense. That's how bad they were on defense. Say, okay. Go ahead, take a few plays, score, run a little time off the clock. Then we'll use the whole clock and go down and score. They got their last score. They were held to a field goal instead of a touchdown. The touchdown would have been a knockout punch. Field goal lets them hang around. And the safety was the whole game. Right. You know, once they didn't have to have score eight points to tie the game, they only needed seven to win it. 
you, you knew what was going to happen. I, right. I couldn't tell you what was going to happen. <laughs> then, but look, USC, they couldn't have stopped Purdue. Okay. <laughs> No, no, don't say that. No, don't say that. Purdue. Purdue, (laughs) I know Purdue was without some starters. I know that. But, gee, they need to get in the weight room in a hurry. Well, they they, uh, missing their quarterback, and they just weren't competitive at all. I actually felt bad for them at one time. I looked at the spread at halftime, and it was, what, 35 to nothing? Yeah. And the second half spread was LSU minus seven. Gee. I said, there's not enough people on the bench that LSU could put in and not win the second <laughs> half by more than seven points. I mean, they could put every walk on they had out there, and they still were going to win by more than seven points. Uh, but, you know, yeah. great win great win for Tulane. Uh, you said it was their best win in program history, and it is because it was in a New Year's Day bowl game. It is because they won a conference championship. But I bet you Reggie Reginelli and some of those 82 Green Wave players would argue with you that it's the best win in history. And I bet you Alan Richter might have something to say about that. Probably so. Hey, remind you to listen to the Sports Takes. Please share this podcast with your friends. Trey and I will have picks later in the week on the College Football National Championship game and Week 18 in the NFL. If you like to bet on football, visit the website meatandpotatoesusa.com meatandpotatoesusa.com Trey Blossman, you and I were both watching Monday Night Football, Bills, Steelers we all know what happened now to cardiac arrest of DeMar Hamlin, uh, defensive back for the Buffalo Bills, second year guy out of University of Pitt and you, like me just couldn't move away from the TV it was it, it was not unprecedented wide receiver Chuck Hughes of the Detroit Lions died in a game in 1971 ran a pass route and collapsed with a heart attack and that was the only previous time a NFL player died during a game well certainly you know Hamlin's heart stopped he had to be resuscitated and uh, the last I heard here we are on a Wednesday evening was that uh, his breathing had improved was the last report I saw, which was sometime yesterday. I don't know that I've seen anything today, been pretty busy, but it got, it reminded us all that, you know, sports is the, the fun and games department. And while it's important, while it's a lot of money, while it's a lot of people have great passion and love for it, it the other night reminds us that, you know, life is more important. It is Tommy. And look, I, I don't want anybody to think poorly of me for saying this, but my, my selfish side wanted them to keep playing that game because it was going to be a great game. You could tell by the first two possessions that was going to be a hell of a football game. And they called the game, which was the right thing to do. Interestingly, it was the two head coaches that decided it, not well, NFL officials or anything. Well, and that's I- – I can tell you the NFL wanted to continue that game, but you know, Ryan Clark, who did a brilliant job. He the, did. Yes, and, he did. And, and, and Booger McFarlane guys that played the game. And did you, when Clark told a story about Mike Tomlin, when you heard that story, when Clark yeah. went in, and Tomlin yeah. said, get out of my office. If you were my son, you wouldn't be playing Sundays. This meeting's over, but they did a, they did a wonderful job. Scott Van Pelt, I thought did a good job. Um, you know, and when you heard the players talking about, no, there's no doubt the NFL wants to play this game. That's how the NFL operates. And, you know, and then I heard clarification today. Apparently somebody in the NFL office, you know, there was this big thing about the players being told, to, you know, you got five minutes to warm up. Okay. 
happened or not. What I was heard on the Dan Patrick National Show today, I'm a big fan of that show, was that the people in the NFL office were merely pointing out the rule that if the game they decided to resume it, by rule, the players would have five minutes to warm up because there had been a certain amount of time, you know, delay. Uh, but that nobody, according to what Dan Patrick unearthed, nobody in the NFL office issued a statement like, okay, get loose, we're playing in five minutes. Now, I also learned, I didn't know this, that when an NFL game is scheduled, they have 48 hours to conclude that game. So, in other words, if they got a report that, that Hamlin was was doing better, expected to make full recovery, they could have said you're playing tomorrow morning or you're playing tomorrow night or whatever because by rule they got 48 hours to get the game in from the official start time. So a little confusion on all of that stuff. But here's, here's where I think you're going to have now. They said week 18, which we'll have picks for later in this week, We'll go on as scheduled. My guess is they're just going to call that a no contest. A it's a tie. Both teams no, no tie. you can't call yeah. it a tie. You can't call it a tie. You have to call it a no contest, and then you revert back to winning percentage for the playoff seasons. Because if it's a tie, it affects other teams in the playoffs. Yeah, if right. it's a, if one of the team it. wins or loses, it has a different effect. So, so those they, teams so play they 16 no, games instead of 17. Yeah so, yeah. yeah, so if you rule it no contest, you go to winning percentage like you have to do in baseball all the time. And then if you're a team that loses out because the Bills and the Bengals couldn't conclude a game because a man almost died on the field, then you that's, that's just life. You, you know, you move on. Uh, you know, so I think that's what's going to happen. That it's going to be considered no contest, and then they'll go by, you know, the winning percentage well, of the teams, I, and those two teams will play sixteen games. Everybody else seventeen. I, I, I it'll be ruled because here we are, almost forty-eight hours later, and I didn't know about the forty-eight hour rule, Tommy, but I did know we're almost forty-eight hours later, and the NFL hasn't announced any kind of plan to replay the game, and you're right. The teams have to play this weekend. I, I heard in an interview with Cincinnati's coach that he approached the Buffalo sideline. Right. And he talked to the Buffalo coach, and the Buffalo said, coach said, we can't play. I need to be at the hospital with my guy. Right. And well, if that's and- what happened, hats off to that guy. For being the guy Zach, who had the balls Zach to call it, you know, Zach yeah, Taylor. Him, well, yeah. and all the players, you know, said, you know, hey, we, we're not playing a football game because, again, they've all, like Booger McFarlane and Ryan Clark said, they've all seen injuries. They've seen guys carted off. They've seen guys leaving an ambulance. But you never had saw somebody fighting for their life, not that their right knee was blown up or their left ankle right. was broken. Right. It was this guy, and that's why they formed the wall so nobody could see. Could see. Right. You know, right. although people at the stadium were aware that, you know, they were they had to resuscitate him and give him CPR because his heart had stopped beating due to cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest and a heart attack are two different things. So now this opens lots of other cans of worms. I don't want to speculate. I'm not a doctor, but I I think medically we're going to hear a lot more about this. And then there could be a lot of other information that comes out dealing with everything from, you know, physical exams to these players, to, to vaccines, to, you know, how often should these people get tested for a heart? Many a great athlete, included Pete Maravich, 
died of a heart abnormality. The volleyball player, the track stars, I, I think of some of those that died at young ages because of a heart thing that was not discovered during a physical exam, which Look, when you know when these NFL players go through a physical exams before signing these million dollar contracts, this is not me going to my doctor and you know coughing twice and him taking my blood pressure and asking me how I feel. It's not that kind of physical. No, right. This is an extensive head to toe. They're about to give somebody hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not going to leave one skin, one uh, piece of hair untested to see if you're in a good physical condition. So I, I hope we continue to get some kind of good news about DeMar Hamlin. All accounts, a great kid. Uh, had a, You saw he had a, a, a food drive for that he hoped to raise $2,500 on through his foundation. It, last I heard, it was over $5 million. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, because people from Cincinnati went to the hospital, fans to, you know, go say a prayer, whatever. It was it was not like it was not unprecedented because of Chuck Hughes and the Detroit Lions in 1971, but it's certainly nothing that anybody's seen in the last 50 plus years, especially with the explosion of social media and television. Well, Tommy, you had mentioned that we're going to be hearing a whole lot of things about what may have happened. I'm going to read you something uh, from Twitter, Doctor Simone Gold, as an experienced emergency physician. I want to remind the public that athletes being incapacitated or dropping dead was not a thing, quote unquote, prior to 2020. We are now seeing this happen very frequently, and it's extremely concerning. From January 2021 to present, two years, basically, 1,101, 1,101 athletes have died from cardiac arrest. Over the prior 38 years, from, 19, or from 1966 to 2004, 1,101 athletes under the age of 35 died due to various heart conditions. The same number of athletes died in the last two years as compared to a prior period of 38 years. Well, we, we got we to get smarter. We got to learn more about a lot of things here. And, uh, you know, we'll have to save that for another day. Trey, we need to wrap this up. We remind folks Friday we'll drop an episode of Trey Blossman's Picks, the College Football National Championship, and Week 18 in the NFL. Trey, have a good evening. Thank you, Tommy.